Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. And it's time to go inside the huddle with Benny Bonsignor. Sponsored by Embajador Tequila and presented by the Realty One Group. And as we go inside the huddle right now with Vinny Bonsignor, as he joins us on the phone lines here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Vinny, I don't know what it's been this week. I mean, I thought it on Monday. I thought it was Tuesday. Today, DeMond thought Wednesday was Thursday. I don't know what's wrong with us, man. We're, we got our days all messed up. Are, are you okay? I, I think I'm okay, um, but, I, but I do know this, uh, Q. Um, once training camp start, days just sort of roll. You got to really – stay on top of the calendar um, during training camp because you can lose track of what day it is in a hurry. And honestly, when I got a text from uh, DeMond or saw the, the lineup today, even DeMond had me thinking it was Thursday there for a second, so I was freaking out for a second. So uh, it's all good. Uh, we're in training camp too, right? Um, so we've right. got to get everything down pat and all of our timing and coordinates and cohesiveness and chemistry, so, uh, so we're no different than the Raiders themselves. Yeah, no doubt about that. And today was the first day of padded practice. There was uh, some physicality that we saw. Not too much, you know, tackling to the ground. Like Josh McDaniel said, I think I only counted a couple times that guys went to the ground, and that wasn't purposely. But what was your biggest takeaway from what you saw today? Yeah, and you and I talked about this, uh, Q, uh, right afterwards. I don't know if it was because we hadn't seen this in a while, um, since really this time last year, basically, um, this type of physicality, you know, when the, when the pads go on for the first time. But – I don't know. I feel like it, 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 it looks a little bit more physical. And I don't mean that like in the goal line, you're going to get uh, physicality in the goal line. You're going to get physicality on the 11-on-11, uh, you know, 11 11, especially with the offensive linemen, defensive linemen. But the drills that we were watching where we had the linebackers, or excuse me, safeties on tight ends, yeah. uh, and then cornerbacks on wide receivers on the field right adjacent to that, it felt like there was an in, uh, uh, some sort of an intent um, to be more physical on both sides, from the wide receivers and tight ends' perspective, and then also the safeties and cornerbacks' perspectives, I'm I'm wondering if that um, you know kind of foreshadows what we're going to see from that position, uh, just a little bit more physicality, maybe in, in pass coverage, uh, and you know holding up um, you know against wide receivers and tight ends. But it just felt like there was more of an intent early on to be physical. Yeah, and that drill in particular was happening right in front of us. I mean, and so I was so glad to be right there, standing there on top of it so we could see everything. But what I, what really stood out to me is not only what was going on on the field, but what was going on the sidelines. I mean, the players were really, really rooting for each other. It feels like, and I know that they're a team, and so they're always going to pull for each other. It just felt like it, it was more personal that the defense wanted to win and the offense wanted to win, and they were really rooting for each other. It's really one of my favorite parts of training camp because you see, like you said, it's, it's for sure a full team. Uh, and we'll see that when they play games, obviously, and when they scrimmage against the New England Patriots when they come to town. But right now, um, while it is a full team, we all know that there's competitiveness between offense and defense, and, 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 and as it should be. You're trying to breed competitiveness right, right now. Right. You're not just out there going through the motions. You want to win. You want to win every rep. You want to win um, when it, when it you know, uh, gets paired up on 7-on-7 seven seven offense, defense, 11-on-11 offense and defense. Um, you want to win. There's something to be said about being competitive at all times and wanting to win. Um, and when we, like you said, you, you saw guys on the sidelines rooting for each other, defense for defense, offense for offense. Uh, and, and for me, it's one of my favorite things at training camp because it shows that these guys are getting paid a lot of money. This doesn't necessarily mean anything um, in terms of there's nobody keeping score literally, uh, but in their own minds, there's competitive uh, you know, uh, uh, nature to all of this. 
And I think that bodes well because you start it now and it's just going to carry over into everything that you do for the rest of the season. No doubt about it. We're talking with Vinny Bonsignor right now uh, here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. You can catch Vinny in the morning, the morning tailgate with Clay Baker and Heidi Fang from 7 to 10 a.m. Matter of fact, they'll be broadcasted live tomorrow morning from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ, so that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, talk about two guys that were good on good that we got to see is Darren Waller against Trayvon Merrick in one-on-one drills. Uh, what did you think of that? I, I saw wins from both sides. I saw Waller win a couple times, and I saw Merrick win, which I think is very encouraging if you're a Raider fan in general that both both guys were winning. No question about it, because I don't care who you are, Darren Waller's a tough cover, especially in one-on-one where he knows where he's going. You're single covering uh, on him as Trayvon was, and you've got no help. There's nothing. There's nothing around you to, you know, even if he makes the catch to come, you know, maybe help you make the tackle. It's just you against him. Um, and there was one that we clearly saw where Trayvon won the battle flat out. He was, he ran stride for stride, didn't bite on any of the, uh, the moves. I know Darren tried to get a little bit physical with him, as you do in those situations. And, and Trayvon stood up to that whole, um, you know, arsenal that, that, that Darren uh, threw at him and made the pass block, uh, you know, break up. Uh, really, really encouraging to see because, you know, that's going to be a staple of what the Raiders ask Trayvon Morg to do. He's not just run support, you know, playing that deep safety position. He needs to show um, and continue to show that he could be a high-end uh, defensive player in terms of pass coverage. And on that instance that we saw, uh, he won uh, a battle against arguably a top two, three tight end in the NFL. How, how big of a year do you think Trayvon Merrick could be in for since he played all of last season, got a lot of, you know, just stuff that you can't teach. He got a lot of experience under his belt and now coming in as a second-year guy. To me, the sky is the limit. And just going back to that rep that we watched, um, Q, you know, the, I don't want to call it audacity to, have, to be a young player thinking that you could just roll right there with, um, you know, with, with Darren Waller, but it takes a lot of confidence uh, to, to do what he did. Um, and it was seamless. It was, I wouldn't say effortless, uh, but, it, but it was so smooth in how he um, hung with Darren Waller defensively, made the right timing on the pass breakup. It just, it, to me, it, 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 uh, what I saw was a confident player, somebody that knew what he was doing, somebody who was confident in what he was doing, somebody who believed he could win that battle, and somebody, as soon as both players popped up, went on to the next rep, didn't you know, overly celebrate or anything like that, kind of like he belonged. And I think that... Um, to me, the, the sky's the limit. I expect a big step forward from Trayvon Morg, and um, it, it'll be interesting to see how high he could actually go. I think this is a star in the making. Yeah, Vinny, going right alongside him, who's going to be rhythm back in that backfield, Jonathan Abram, how did he look today in that secondary in these one-on-one drills that you guys were able to see? You know, uh, today's drill um, is, is tough for Jonathan Abram. That's not his forte. His game isn't... Um, pass defense. We all we all kind of know that. I thought there were a couple of reps that he um, hung in there, right? Q, um, yeah. where, where where he was where he needed to be, and and made, there was one right in front of us uh, where he made a nice pass break up. That's encouraging. But you know, this is a really difficult drill for defensive players. Again, it's just one on one. The offensive player knows exactly where he's going. You have no help. You're literally, and I mean literally, uh, out there uh, on an island. Um, and so for him. Uh, just what he did was encouraging, but it, it, it's it's not one of those ones where you expect Jonathan Abram to shine all that much. That's his game is playing up against the line of scrimmage, chasing down the run, blitzing. I think they're going to find or hopefully find a package for him or or a a, a way to really tap into what he does because there's things that he does really well. There's other things he does that does uh, that not so well, but it's up to the coaches to. 
to not put him in those type of positions where he's going to be a liability and take advantage of what he could do to be an asset. Right, exactly. I mean, they've got to know who he is and, and what he does, and they've got to go ahead and use that and do that to the best of their ability. You know, put him in the su- position to succeed. That is their job. Again, we're talking with Vinny Bonsignor here on Unnecessary Roughness, Rare Nation Raider Radio 920. As far as the offensive line, they finally got to put the pads on. Uh, we heard Colton Miller yesterday get pretty excited about knowing the pads were coming on. They came on today. Uh, what did you think of the offensive line, and in particular Lester Cotton, the guy that we've been talking about a lot? Yeah, um, you wonder, you know, is it a mirage with Lester Cotton? Um, you know, is, is he going to hold on to this job? Um, are they trying to push somebody else? Uh, but all I know is every single day, Q, uh, it's Lester Cotton getting the, uh, the, all of the snaps, really, um, first-team snaps uh, at right guard. Um, and, and maybe this is just a case of a player that's turned the corner. I think um, I forget who it might have been Brandon Parker uh, talking about him yesterday, or Colton, one of those one of those two players talking about uh, Lester in terms of hey, he was much bigger when he showed up. You know how many times have we talked about Q? Um, you know when you get into the NFL and it's a twenty four seven football proposition, no more going to class. This is your job, and you get to devote uh, every hour of every day to it um, if you want. And the ones that want to stay do the right things, and in his case. He changed his body. He cleaned up some fundamentals that um, uh, Richie Incognito was talking about that he needed to do, and it seems like uh, he could be on the verge of turning himself into uh, a starting player and and rewarding himself and everybody else uh, for all that hard work. So uh, I thought he looked good. You know, there was was give and take. You know, anytime you're working against Max Crosby and Chandler Jones and and the guys that are on that defensive line, um, it's not always going to be pretty. Um, That's just the nature of, of... playing in the NFL, right. but I thought for the most part the offensive line uh, hung in there and, and, uh, and did pretty well, and it was, I thought, a, a good day for the offensive line, all things considered. What do you think about the secondary in general? I, I broke this down the other day where I didn't know if I was more concerned about the offensive line or the secondary, and, and the only reason I brought the secondary up is because there's not, a, not the guys that have done it on a consistent basis there, especially with Trayvon Mullen on the pub list right now. We don't know how long he's going to be out, so I threw them in there. You know, Which one should you be more concerned about? Do you think that the secondary could be a bigger concern than even the offensive line right now? It could, yeah, without question. Uh, but, man, I mean, going back to yesterday, I thought it was one of the best DB days, especially cornerback days, that I literally have seen uh, at a Raider practice. Uh, the, 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 the cornerbacks yesterday played super well. And, and listen, um, you know, you're there, uh, right there alongside me. Um, yeah, of course, they're going to complete some passes. That's just the way it works uh, yeah. in the NFL. So many advantages go to the offense. Josh McDaniels was talking about that the other day. But if we're being honest, I mean, it feels like they're where they're supposed to be for the most part. You know, you're going you're gonna to get beat, no question about it, or give up passes, no, uh, completions, no doubt about it. But, but I feel like these guys are where they need to be. They've made their share of, of plays. I'm continually looking down on the roster. Who is that? Who, who, who just made that night? That was a nice play right there. Who, what number was that player? Or who, who is that player? You know, just to kind of, you know, because a lot of them are, so many of them are new players wearing different numbers that we're kind of getting accustomed to. And I find myself doing that a lot with the cornerbacks and these young safeties. And so to me, um, you know, that, that's, a, that's a positive. Can it hold up in the regular season? We're all going to find out. But so far, to me, so good with the, uh, with the young DBs, especially those cornerbacks. Speaking of young guys, how about linebacker Darius Butler? He's, he's, he's been popping a couple times, showed up, made a few plays. He's a guy that's got experience with Antonio Pierce going back to Arizona State. Is he a guy that we may be talking about at the end of training camp as, hey, this guy just snuck onto the roster? 
I, I think so. Uh, and there's always going to be guys like that. You know, with the, with the draft back in our day, the draft used to be, what, 12 rounds or so? So, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about guys, now that it's seven rounds, there's going to be guys beyond that seventh round that can play football, period, exclamation point. Um, and it's just kind of finding the right guys, or sometimes for those guys, finding the right system. Uh, and certainly, uh, you know, Butler has, a, has experience playing with Coach Pierce, the linebacker coach who has, um, you know, uh, a lot of experience. Uh, with him, uh, and he just—he's not the biggest guy out there, uh, but he brings some physicality. He gave, you know, uh, Britton Brown a nice little pop, uh, you know, uh, during during one rep uh, today. Um, and and again, he's running with—he's gotten some first team reps. He's gotten second team reps, um, you know, with the uh, with the ones and twos. Uh, that's usually a, a telltale sign that he's impressing somebody, not just us, but the coaching staff. So. Yeah, I could see this guy. I don't know where it's gonna, what, what it's all gonna mean for him in terms of the 53-man roster, but I could see that this, you know, that player being part of Raiders journey this year in some form or fashion. Yeah, Vinny, speaking of sneaking onto the roster, a player that made some noise today that I haven't really been hearing about that much was Tyron Johnson. He even got the nickname T-Billy that I just found out today. Is he another one of those players that you think can sneak onto this roster at the receiver position? Yes. Uh, you know, when I did my 53-man roster, uh, I didn't have him on there. Um, you know, I, I, I had the Raiders with five wide receivers, and maybe they do still keep five wide receivers, uh, and maybe that makes a Keelan Cole or, you know, one of those other guys uh, a little bit vulnerable. But if they keep six wide receivers, which they very well could, uh, I think Tyron Johnson uh, is right there. He's definitely got the speed factor. That's something that um, you know, uh, it's not so much in, 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 in the rest of those guys' profile, uh, the, the breakaway speed. He's a legit speed guy going back to his days at LSU. Um, he brings something in the return game uh, as well, so uh, that's, that could help get him on the roster uh, as, as well. And, and it looks like, and hearing from, from, from people, um, you know, it's one thing to have the speed, but it's another thing to be a complete wide receiver. And I think what he's done to his credit um, isn't, is, is work on all the other finer points of being a wide receiver. Lots of guys can run straight down uh, the field and, and you know, be a factor uh, in that. But you know, are you running the right routes? Uh, are, are you understanding the defensive uh, coverage? Are you on the same page with your quarterback? Can the Raiders or, or any team afford to have him out there um, you know, uh, for a prolonged period of time? And I'm not sure, quite sure he was ever, he's ever been at that point as an NFL player. But if he can get to that point, and then you add the speed factor on it, he's somebody that could be uh, for sure worthy of a roster spot. Talk right now with Vinny Bonson. You are here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. One more question for you. It has to do with injuries. Um, Zamir White, he's missed four practices, and then we saw Cleve Furl. We saw him walk off and not return today. Uh, how much concern for those two guys? Yeah, um, starting to wonder a little bit about uh, you know Zamir White. Um, you know, I don't think he's in danger of getting cut or anything like that. Right. Uh, but you know, th- th- these are precious times for a rookie. These are like gold right now, uh, especially with it being so hot, and you want to preserve your other guys. You know, if you're a rookie, you're going to get um, you know s- some reps this time of year, and that's it's it's what you do with those reps. Uh, that that could help make you uh, you know a part of this team and, and maybe even create a role for yourself. He hasn't been able to take advantage of those reps right now. He's not even out there. So uh, wonder about him. Uh, I ha- I don't get the sense that it's anything major, uh, but still you know for his sake he needs to be out there um, you know showing what he can do. And then you know with Clee, uh, you know he kind of walked off pretty gingerly uh, today. And I'm not going to speculate on on what it is. It seemed to be some sort of a leg. Uh, situation and here's a guy who um, 
you know, let's be honest, he's facing a huge year for himself. You know, whether it's to solidify any sort of a future uh, here with the Raiders in Las Vegas um, or, or put his resume out there for 31 other teams yep. um, for a, a safe landing spot someplace else, it's a big year for him. And you'd hate to see it get derailed in, in any sort of a way uh, by an injury in training camp. So let's hope that uh, that Clee's okay and we'll see him out there uh, sooner rather than later. No doubt about it. I'm sure two guys that we'll talk to Coach Josh McDaniels about tomorrow morning when we meet with him around 745 yep. early in the morning, brother. But you're already up, so uh, you're like me. You're one of those early risers. Even if you don't have anything to do, you're going to be up early uh, chasing that story or whatever the case may be. Vinny, great stuff, man. I know we're a day early, but we'll catch up with you. To- well, I'll catch up with you tomorrow morning, but then we'll, uh, we'll do it again uh, tomorrow afternoon as you'll be at Pub 365. You got it, man. Thank you, guys. Uh, take care, Devon. It's Thursday. It's, it's Wednesday, brother. <laughs> there he goes. Vinny Boston. You heard him. He said it's Thursday, though. He started yes, to he say Thursday. He, you know, so it's all good. Actually, uh, and then we'll take a quick break. I wanted to pass this along to you, Devon, and I don't feel as bad now, even though I still kind of feel like all our days are off. Uh, I had a tweet from Rossi, and he said his exact words were, Relax, Q. Your Monday is my Tuesday. Because Rossi is from down under, and so uh, actually on on Monday, our Monday, it was Tuesday for him. So that's a little bit of a bailout. So there you go. So his Wednesday is Thursday. So I'm in the clear thinking it was Tuesday, and you're in the clear thinking it's Thursday. I'll tell you, now that when Vinny said it out loud, it made all the sense of the world, and I don't know why my dumb self couldn't figure it out. It's because we are in training camp, and we're going to training camp. And last week we had what? Thursday? No, we had Wednesday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm not used to going over to the facility on Sunday. It's that Sunday that threw me off. That was the that was it right there. That Sunday felt like Monday, which made me think it was already Monday going into Tuesday. So there, I feel a lot better now. Boom, and I was here on Sunday as well. So you know, that's what I'm, I'm saying. I'm exactly. So there it is, right there. We have solved the problem. It's all training camp's fault, but that's a good that's a good issue to have. 4:21 is the time. Many thanks to Vinny Bonsignor. We definitely appreciate him. Hit us up, Raider Nation. Haven't heard from you much this show. It's been kind of helter skelter, hair on fire show. It's just one of those. It's how it is sometimes, especially during training camp. 702-365-9200. Salmon Ash text line is six nine one eight seven. Keyword R and R. Whatever you got on your mind, whatever you want to talk about, uh, any part of training camp. We'll come back, give some more thoughts on today's padded practice. We'll get back next. This is Red Nation Radio 920. I don't really know anybody super well that he's coached. Um, I've talked to a couple guys that just kind of you know, have been around, and we got a couple guys here that have played with him in other places, but I think more so you just kind of uh, have the conversation with himself and figure out straight from him you know, what he's looking for and what he expects of you. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920, here's your boy Q. Raiders punter A.J. Cole right there talking about special teams coach Tom McMahon. That was from our media session that we had earlier today. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Got a few text messages that I wanted to get to. Uh, Only got about 30 minutes left in today's show. Just a crazy show today as everything got started a lot later because of the Aviators. They were playing Albuquerque earlier, lost 15-9, to and so uh, that cut into a big portion of the show. But we should be back to normal tomorrow uh, as I'll be broadcasting live from uh, Raiders HQ in their – in their their uh, podcast studio and uh, the morning tailgate with Clay Baker and Heidi Fang and Vinny Bonsignor. They'll be downstairs in the media room leading into Josh McDaniel's press conference. They'll take that live. And so we got a lot of coverage coming for you the rest of the week and, of course, throughout the course of the weekend as well. But a few text messages I wanted to get to, uh, 69187, keyword R&R. 
Q and D, when I think of Tyron Johnson, I think of the Chargers game in 2020. He beat Mullen and safety Daryl Worley for touchdowns. That's from Clark, from San Mateo. And, yeah, you know, T-Billy, that's what, uh, that's what his name is. That's what all his teammates call him. And uh, shout-out to, to Sean Reed. He had read a story about T-Billy. Apparently, uh, Billy is, what is it, is his mother's maiden name? Yep, yep. Yeah, that's what it was. And so that's what they call him, T-Billy. Uh, and so funny that there's so many people – talking about him right now he's I mean he is the subject of big time conversation right now uh he's kind of making a name for himself this this year in training camp and that goes back to even mandatory minicamp you just saw him out there he's got the number one that he's wearing uh he's got you know the the one leg sleeve and the other leg is exposed and so you know he kind of stands out amongst uh, the crowd and oh by the way while he's flying down the field he also stands out so uh yeah I, I think that uh T Billy has an opportunity to to be a player on this team uh, the first day of padded practice was today, so he's got to continue to to stack practices, is what they call it. Continue to stack practices and show what you can do. But I do think he has an opportunity. And one thing I do know from talking to Devontae Adams on Sunday and talking to other guys, T. Billy has a name in that locker room. Like all those players really respect him. So uh, he's obviously doing some things right. So uh, Clark, thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. Allen in Vegas, hit us up, fellas. I know y'all stay, stay locked in. Uh, like the podcast, how are the backup quarterbacks looking? Uh, great, great text, Alan. I do appreciate that. And the reason why is because I'm very high on Jarrett Stidham. Anyone and everyone knows that, right? Every time Jarrett Stidham throws the ball in practice, good or bad, whoever's standing next to me says, that's your boy. <laughs> Every time, that's your boy. And I'll say this. Jarrett Stidham had a really good practice on Saturday. Really good practice. I was like, man, he's out there slanging that thing. He's doing what he does. Jared Stidham has not had a good practice since. I mean, really, just let's just be 100% honest. Let's call it spade a spade. It has not been good. And even when I was talking to Evan Washburn earlier today uh, on the sidelines there, I said, yeah, I think, you know, Jared Stidham has an opportunity to be something. He said, why? Oh. I mean, he said it straight up. And not disrespectfully, he just said, why? And I said, well, you know, they, they, weren't good. they wouldn't bring him in for no reason. I said, he's got a lively arm. He's got this, that, and the other. And he says, yeah, been hearing that for years. And it's true, and that's, that's what separates guys. Just like when we talked to Rod Woodson earlier this week, and he said, look, everyone's got talent. Can they do it consistently? That is the problem with Jarrett Stidham. One, his, his, uh, his injury history has hurt him. But two, his lack of consistency. He just, he'll throw a ball, DeMond, and you'll say, damn, that's pretty. And then he'll throw a ball, and you'll say, damn, who was he throwing that to? Where was that going? I mean, it's just he can't, I don't want to say can't, he doesn't do it consistently, and that is the big hang-up. I, I mean, I, I think I said it at the, either the beginning of this week or at the end of last week that he's going to be in play for that backup quarterback position. I mean, I, I know he is. I know he's going to be in play, and I know it's going to be a healthy competition, but I think Evan said something to me earlier today that really made a whole lot of sense. He said, look, coaches don't care if you can't be a 10. Coaches care what you could be consistently. So if you're a 10 consistently, fantastic, right? You're awesome. But if you're only a 6, but you're a 6 consistently, they'll take that over being a 10 on Saturday and being a 3 or a 4 Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right? I mean, does that make and sense? especially on Sunday. Right, exactly. But, I mean, does that make sense? Like, you know, you could be great one day, but if you can't stack days, stack days, and stack days, and still be at that 6, 7, 8 level, you're not going to be worth the salt. That's where Jarrett Stidham's at right now. He is – he was – I think on Saturday I'd call him maybe an eight, right? I think he had an eight day on Saturday. The last few days since then, he's had a three, a four, a five. Today I'd say he probably had a four, 
right? I mean, he just hasn't been consistent. As far as Nick Mullins, he hasn't been fantastic, but he also hasn't been terrible. He has been a consistent five or six. So I think that that is when we're when we're talking about and evaluating players, especially when it comes down to one or two positions, and it's like, okay, I got to make a decision between this guy and that guy. I think that's the ultimate decider right there. Who could be a six or a seven consistently as opposed to a ten one day and a five the next day? You know, it's like it's like radio shows. You know, I always bring up radio because that's all I know, and I rather have a guy that's going to give me a be a consistent seven on the radio than a ten on Monday and then a four the rest of the week. Like I don't want your four. Give me give me seven. I'll take that. You can keep the ten. Just give me seven. At least I know you're consistent, right? And I know what you're going to bring to the table. That's what these coaches are going to be looking for. I thought Evan when he brought that up today, uh, I thought that was a fantastic. Uh, way to point it out. So, uh, Alan, hopefully that answers your question. Right now, I'd say that Nick Mullins is probably doing a better job being consistent, being that consistent five or six, as opposed to Jarrett Stidham, who one day is an eight and the rest of the time is a four or five. Uh, got a text from uh, Mailman Raider. Uh, he actually had a couple of texts. He said, will the practice squad still have the six protected players this year? And then also, how did Diablo look out there? Really high on him this year. And uh, thank you for that, Mailman Raider. And I'll say this. Um, I'm very high on Diablo this year as well. When we talked to him yesterday, he was saying that, you know, now that he's had a year experience under his belt, because remember he got to start late in the season, and he did some pretty good things, right? Made Corey Littleton very expendable. Uh, I think now he has that experience. He's going to be able to go out there, and he knows the position. He knows what it looks like. You know, he's added some more muscle uh, and weight and more just muscle weight, right, just strength. He's added some more of that, knows that linebacker role. Remember, this guy moved over from being a safety in college to being a linebacker in the NFL. That's not easy to do, but he's done a pretty good job of it. The one thing I continue to notice at practice, and today was the same way, Antonio Pierce stays in his ear. And not in a, not in a like, chew-in-your-ear type way, but in a, hey, this is what you do, this technique. I think Antonio Pierce really likes Divine Diablo and believes that he has a big future in the NFL and he can really help him get there. So I would look for Divine Diablo to really be somebody this upcoming season. I, I love what he said in the media session yesterday where, you know, everyone said, well, you know, how, how are you going to be now as a starter? And he said, I'm not guaranteed to be a starter. I'm out there trying to earn my spot. You know, so nobody's taking their, their job for granted. No one's just assuming that they already got the job. They just they know everyone has to work their tail off to earn that spot. So that would be what I would say about Devon Diablo. And as far as the practice squad still having the six uh, protected players, yes. Uh, you can still have 16 players on the practice squad in 2022. Uh, obviously, that number went up during the COVID-19 issues. Uh, it was at 14. It went up to 16. Yeah, you could have six players that have no limitations. Veterans could be on the practice squad. And then, of course, you have 10 players that only have a few seasons under their belt. But uh, six guys, six veterans can still be on the practice squad. So I think that was a good thing. And since they uh, introduced that to the league and since the, the league has done that now, uh, I think that's going to be here to stay. That's That's – a really good advantage for uh, teams to be able to have and stash guys on the practice squad that have that veteran uh, seasoning under their belt. That's that's definitely a good thing. So thank you so much for that text as well. Uh, one more text, and then we'll take a call. Jason in Maryland said, hey, Q, I think if they can stay healthy, I think they'll be better than what most people think. That's like Averett. He's a sleeper to me. Last year forced to play because of injury. He did okay. I believe he led the league in pass breakups or passes defense. I can't remember that stat exactly. I also think Rock will be good. He's just been hurt a bit. If Trayvon Mullen could get back, I think the secondary would be okay. Not lockdown necessarily, but serviceable. You're out there, so you probably know better than me, but I, I believe in them and the coaching. That's Jason and Maryland talking about the secondary right there. And 
those are two guys that have opportunities. Anthony Averett has a big-time opportunity, and so does Rocky Sin. They both have opportunities to prove who they could be. Again, that's going back to talent. Can you do it consistently? I saw one drill today where Rock, and it was that matter of fact, it was that that uh, that drill where the running back was trying to get into the end zone. The wide receiver was trying to block the the cornerback, and uh, it was it was a fun drill that happened right in front of us. And Rock, man, he he was able to shed that block and get that guy out of bounds. I mean, that physicality part, that's right up Rock's alley. I mean, this guy was a a wrestler. You know, I mean, he's got wrestling traits. He's like you, Demond. He's got the he's got the fight game on lock, right? I mean, that's that's just kind of who he is. So he knows how to shed blocks. Uh, he did that that drill really well. Trayvon Merrick did that drill really well. There were certain guys that really stood out. Jonathan Abram did that drill really well. Of course, these guys that know how to be physical are going to do those drills really well. Um, they have a lot of opportunity. They just got to go out there and prove it. You know, they just like I said, you're you're absolutely right about. If they can stay healthy and, and if they get that chance to go out there and prove it, the only thing about them, they just haven't shown that they can do it consistently so far. But Averett, to your point, was thrown into the mix last season, all those injuries that were in Baltimore, and he did pretty stinking good. Came up with, I think, three interceptions and still had a, a bunch of pass breakups and uh, was really good in the in the man-to-man you know press corner roles. So uh, that's a good point that you bring out. And, again, I'm paying attention to the secondary in a major way because those two areas, the offensive line and the secondary, are my two biggest concerns. Thank you so much for those texts. Definitely appreciate you. Let's go ahead and hit the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Demond, who we got up? New England Raider. New England Raider! Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? You know, I love it now because I've called like six or seven times and I, you get so excited when I call now. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I appreciate that. You know, Demond's still the same way. He's just like, uh, who is this? You know, I'm like, it's New England Raider, Damon. Come on. Yeah, you need a little bit more spirit, Damon. Let's go. Step your game up, dude. You want me to start over? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) New England Raider! I'm sorry. I don't know what you want. That that didn't sound good. good. That sounds good. All right. Uh, So uh, a couple of things. Um, First, I know Gangster Raiders called a couple times about this, and I don't know if you can provide a little bit more clarity, but I'm going to be in Canton uh, next Thursday. And I'm wondering if Raider Nation Radio is specifically doing anything. Like, if you guys are going to be set up, have a booth, like, if you, if the radio station itself is going to be doing anything in Canton. All right. Hey, great call. Thank you so much, my man. I appreciate you. And yeah, uh, we're going to be there. I'm going to land in Canton, Ohio on Wednesday morning, about 6 a.m. Going to take a, a, a red eye out of Vegas around 11 something at night on Tuesday night and land on, on Wednesday morning. Uh, go straight, I'll land in Cleveland, go straight to drive to Canton. Um, set up shop inside the the radio row, which is inside the school that's right behind Tom Benson Stadium. So we're going to broadcast our shows live from there. But I do know there's going to be some events. Like last year, there was an event at a Buffalo Wild Wings out there. Was it Buffalo Wild Wings? No, it was um, – what's the place I have right around the corner from my house? Um, oh, man. But Not Bubba's. I have a Bubba's. There's a Bubba's in Texas. Um, what's that other one? It starts with a B. Woo, you're uh... – Man, what are what's, they? What's their, what's their specialty? I don't we know. Close, I, I mean, don't even go there that oh, often. Well, never mind. <laughs> it's right. You know, okay. You know where Twin Peaks is right here down the street from my house. I thought you were talking about Twin Peaks when you said it ran across no, from my house. No, but there's there's one right. There's a place right across the street from Twin Peaks. What is or not across the street in the same parking lot? You BJ's. Yes, it it was at a BJ's. There you see. It started with a B. I told you BJ's. Can't forget that. 
BJ's. That's where it was at uh, last year in in, uh, in Canton, Ohio, as they had a celebration for Tom Flores. And there's going to be an event there as well, so we'll be there to cover that. But we'll also be at the parade that's going on on Friday. Uh, we'll be also be at the the um, the jacket enshrinement, not, not the enshrinement ceremony on Saturday, but uh, the the receiving of the gold jacket. I believe that's on Friday night. I mean, there's so many events going on, so we're going to be everywhere. So all you really have to do to try to find out what's going on and where we're at to, at that exact moment is just follow us on Twitter. That'll be the easiest way at R&R 920 AM. That'll be the easiest way to catch up to us and find out exactly where we were. Uh, yeah, Peg Leg Raider just hit me up and said, uh, BJ's uh, brew house. That's exactly where we were uh, last year, and that's where me and Peg Leg Raider actually hung out at. And Tom Flores signed his leg. I thought that was that was one of the highlights. And that place, Demond. When I say that place was packed, that place was packed to the gills. And Tom Flores, he signed every single stinking autograph, took every single stinking picture that you could imagine. If you asked him for it, he did it. I mean, the, ce- the celebration was amazing to the point where I was going to get greedy and try to do an interview because that's all I ever do is try to do interviews. Like, that's, that, that's half my problem when I go places. I'm always thinking about the work, and I can't really enjoy the, the party, right, because I'm always thinking, okay, how can I take advantage of being here with this person? Or how can I be, you know, it's like go, 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 go. And, yeah, I was going to do an interview, but when he came walking out of BJ's, I, you could just see how tired he was. And so I thought – you know what? I just talked to his, his people and I said, "Hey, I'll, I'll catch up to him later. It's no, no problem. Don't even worry about it." And so, uh, but it was great just to see Raider Nation go out there and celebrate with him, and for him, and all the the Raider alumni that was out there. So it's going to happen again at that same BJ's. It's supposed to be another celebration for uh, for Cliff Branch, and, and of course, it's going to be it's going to be big time celebration there. The only thing that's throwing me off about this year at Canton, Ohio, is the enshrinement is at noon. At noon, their time. That's 9 a.m. our time. Which is strange because normally the enshrinement is in the evening our time. Normally when I've been to enshrinements, it's been in the evening. And then what you do is you leave the Hall of Fame enshrinement, you go to the party wherever it's at. In, in the example, when I went to there for LaDainian Tomlinson getting uh, inducted, at, right after the enshrinement was over, we went to the party. I was already checked out of my hotel room. We went directly to the party. We partied till about 3 or 4 in the morning and then made a beeline straight to the airport, got back on the plane, slept on the plane, and we're good to go. That's what I thought was going to happen this year. But the enshrinement's at 9 a.m. our time. 9 a.m. So I don't know what I'm going to do. But with that being said, Damon, I'm sure you don't know this right now, <laughs> but – uh, we're going to do a special show on that Saturday morning. Oh, I knew about that. Oh, you did? Did you know that you're running it? Uh, I just assume so. Okay, well, that's at 8 a.m. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Saturday morning, you're going to be at the radio station early, brother. <laughs> I was hoping this was going to be like a special. Did you know that you're coming? I was going to be like, what? Oh, oh yeah, man. yeah. Hey, man, as long as, you got the, <laughs> hey, as long as you got the money to pay the bill, man, we got you. You know, we can find, <laughs> we can find room for you in the hotel room as long as you got the money for the flight, brother. I'll tell you right now. That's the one thing. About and I don't know why it's so difficult to get a flight to Canton that's not a weird flight. It's the only flight that I've been on since I've been here, and I've gone on a lot of trips since I've been here, that I have to take an off-brand airline that I don't want to take and get there. And I'm not even going to say their name because I don't want to give them advertisement. So I, it's just, you know, I hate flying off-brand. I don't and like I how hate, you're saying off-brand. I mean, it's off-brand. <laughs> it means it's not what I'm the, uh, the standards I'm used to. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Southwest guy. You know, like, that's easy. 
You know, that's they, they make very – it's easy to fly. And this is not. You know, you get your bags, you get to, you know, your seats, you're good. You can upgrade if you have to. Not this. You got to go super late, land super early, <laughs> you know. It's not, it's not that easy, man. But you're flying into Cleveland, though, right? Yeah, no. Cleveland, then driving into Canton, so about 30 minutes. It's not that bad. I mean, oh. yeah, come on. No, come on. Like Joakim Noah said, you know, besides this one weekend a year, who's trying to go to Cleveland? <laughs> right. Like, you know, the airline industry's like, hey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, blank you guys. <laughs> I'll tell you what, every stinking hotel room, though, in that area, and I mean the whole area, is, is packed to the gills. That's how I ended up getting stuck in the mosey-wosey last year. If you remember how all that went down. I got stuck in the worst thing ever. I got catfished in my hotel room. One of the best stories you've ever told. That was, the, that was a terrible story. That was pain. That was misery. I was so angry at that situation, only to find out we had something named that in town. Didn't have any idea. <laughs> that was one of my first early experiences here in Las Vegas. Thank you so much for that, uh, that call, New England Raider. I appreciate you. 444 is the time. We'll come, we'll come take a quick break, come back, close out the show. You got your calls. You got your texts. We'll get to you. 702-365-9200. Salmon Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. I know I'm not talking baseball, but the A's just swept the Astros. The A's, as bad as they are, they just finished sweeping the Astros, and they're a really good team as far as the Astros are concerned. Which means that the A's are probably going to, whoever was a really good player, they'll probably trade them right before the trade deadline. Oh, hey, you know what? You're playing too well. Let's get rid of you. Who had the most hits in the series? Right, exactly. Hey, we can't have any of that. We got to get rid of you. Speaking of the trade deadline, we'll actually have a guest on the show tomorrow, I believe, at 4.30 to talk MLB trade deadline. You know, just get a few few minutes of time, get a couple nuggets, find out who can be doing some moving and shaking as far as Major League Baseball goes, especially Juan Soto. I'm interested to see where he goes. He's from the Nationals, if you don't know. Over the weekend, last weekend, he turned down a, what, 15-year, $440 million contract. Exactly, must exactly be, that. Must, <laughs> must be nice to be able to turn down something like that. But, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll have a guest coming up at 4.30 tomorrow afternoon talk a little Major League Baseball trade deadline and uh, what his expectations are. So just kind of put that in your notes. And tomorrow we're expected to have an actual full-length show. It'll be the first full-length show in a couple days. I'm very excited about the opportunity to do that. And I'll be at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center Raiders HQ broadcasting live from uh, their podcast studio. So uh, just kind of put that in your notes as well. Let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200, a man that usually tweets at us pretty much uh, quite a bit, and uh, he's one of our good friends of the show, Shashi, calling in from Palm Beach. Shashi, I like saying your name. Hey. Welcome to the show, brother. <laughs> hey, what's up, Q? How's it going, man? Oh, man, I'm blessed. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, it's. Um, I gotta say, I gotta give one out to Demond. I think he sounded excited when uh, when I called, and he was like, "Hey, hold a second, is this uh, the guy I follow on Twitter?" <laughs> yeah, so you know, um, so he made up for the other call that uh, without uh, he actually got me with enthusiasm. So there you go. Hey, I got I got uh, two questions. Um, somebody posted a video today showing the the. Um, the DBs doing pass breakup drills. Mm-hmm. I don't ever remember seeing drills like that before or hearing anybody ever talking about them. Now, I'm not saying they didn't do them before, but is that something new? Um, you know what? Thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. I, I don't think it's new, but 
there's a couple drills that I don't remember seeing quite as much as I've seen this year. Let's put it like that. There's a few drills that I don't remember seeing at all last year that I'm seeing this year. And that's not saying that they weren't doing it. They just weren't doing it like we're seeing it right now, right? And there's certain drills that I'm actually kind of surprised during our filming, uh, you know, the, the time that they allow us to film. I'm actually surprised that some of the drills were actually allowed to film because there was times where we only had like a two- or three-minute window or four-minute window, a very small window, and all of a sudden now we're getting a little bit more, uh, you know, access, it feels like, even though we're not, you know, we're not showing seven-on-seven, eleven-on-eleven, stuff like that. Uh, we're not showing any plays or anything, but uh, they're, they're, they're allowing us to show a little bit more on Twitter and, and video a little bit more than I remember doing a year ago. So, uh, yeah, there, I, I was seeing a couple of those, those uh, you know, defensive back drills and everything, and um, I don't – I don't think – I don't want to take anything away from the old regime because it's hard to remember back to last season, but there's some that, that I, I feel like really stand out that I, I didn't see. You know, and, and one that we've been talking about quite a bit on today's show is even that, uh, you know, the, the safety on the wide receiver or the cornerback on the wide receiver and the running back going to the end zone. And I, I don't remember seeing that uh, a year ago. But then the other thing is – the other thing that I could say, we're on the side – so, you know, we're, we're on the side of the field instead of in the end zone of the field. So last year in training camp, we, were on, we, had, we had the whole length of the three fields we can go, but all the end zones. So we are right next to the building. We are right next to the weight room. This year, we're walking up and down the sideline. So I think maybe we're getting a little bit better angle, at least of the, clo- of the field that's close to us. We're getting to see those drills. So that might be why we're seeing some stuff that we didn't recognize from a year ago because it was happening somewhere where it was so far away we couldn't, we couldn't film it or, or didn't even really recognize what we were seeing. So I think it has a little bit to do with that as well. So uh, thank you so much for that call, my man. It's, it's always great to hear from you. Definitely appreciate that. Hey, you still there? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the other question I had was, uh, was on Koontz. Haven't heard much about him. If you could talk about him, and actually, while you're talking about drills too, just just one thing. And again, I'll I'll, I'll ask this, and you can get off. I also think you put out a video showing uh, tight end tandem drills with with offensive linemen, yeah. which I guess is the way it would happen in um in in actual you know in actual games, which is kind of cool to see because I don't remember you know seeing tight ends work with offensive like you know next next to each other getting comfortable. So. All right, hey, man, it was good uh, good talking to you, and I'll get off the line and listen to you. All right, hey, thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, my bad. I, I was going on about drills. I didn't realize he was still on the phone. My bad. <laughs> He's like, man, I wish Q would shut up. <laughs> he started his call. He said, I got a two-parter for you. Yeah, my fault, my fault. That was my bad. But uh, anyway, so thank you again for that call. And, yeah, those, those tight end drills have been really fun to watch. Uh, Darren Waller and Foster Morrow have been doing their thing, right? And, and you can see them and having that aggressiveness when it goes to the sled or, as you mentioned, uh, with the offensive line in tandem, you know, with offensive linemen. I think that's really uh, been a fun drill to watch and, and the, the, the coach that's running those drills because the tight ends don't have a specific coach either. So that's another reason why you might see drills like that that you didn't see a year ago because there's no specific tight end coach. So, uh, you know, offensive coordinator uh, Mick Lombardi is doing a lot of different things and he has a lot of different assistants that are helping him so you see different guys really focusing in and the guys that, the guy that's working with the tight ends man he is really 
you know, attention to detail. And that's, that's the biggest thing I could take away from what I've seen in, in all the training camps so far is there's a lot of attention to detail from this regime. And I'm not saying that the other regime did not have a lot of attention to detail, but the one thing we know about New England is that they really focus in on what they're supposed to do and the whole do-your-job thing, that's a real thing. We've heard Josh McDaniels yell that out a few times, do your job. We've heard that while we're out there at training camp. So uh, thank you so much for that, my man. I definitely appreciate you. And shout out to Just Win Wendy who tweeted at us and said, here's the link to the events that's going on in Canton. And the parade is Saturday, not Friday. You're right. Saturday is the parade, Saturday morning. Thank you, Just Win Wendy. I do appreciate that. But, yeah, for all things uh, Hall of Fame, we'll obviously have way more on this as it gets closer. But uh, the best way to, to keep up with this is following us on Twitter at rnr. 9:20 a.m. So uh, and of course at Demond underscore the boss and at your boy Q254. Definitely appreciate that. And just win Wendy. I know we'll see you out there in Canton as well. Looking forward to it. Amy Trask and Lester Hayes. They didn't make the cut as far as the senior finalists and the contributors, so they won't be in the Hall of Fame next year. I don't know. Maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll be back on the list the following year. But uh, unfortunately, they didn't make the cut this year. So uh, thank you so much. Sorry the show the show was short, a little helter skelter, but we did it, and that's how we roll. We'll be back tomorrow here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty.